Happy New Year and Happy Tunes Day. My name is Francis and I love music. Love it. And movies. Movies and music. And the music used in movies. And TV. I'm the friend who notices the music used in the media constantly, to the point that my friends think of me immediately if and when they notice it themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Needle Drops That Will Change Your Life. What is a needle drop? I'm glad you asked. Wikipedia defines a needle drop as the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. I'd also add television or honestly any other form of media. Video games, movie trailers, and more. For example, any of the songs I discuss on this very podcast. Why should you care about my thoughts on needle drops? Well, I'm a great person, obviously. But other than that, being a music supervisor is my dream job. But I'm in Texas where there aren't a ton of opportunities for me to get into that industry, so I'm dipping my toe into the world of podcasting to discuss the incredible work that music supervisors do. What exactly do they do? Let me tell you. According to the Berklee College of Music, music supervisors artfully select and license pre-existing songs and recordings for use in movies, television shows, and video games. Today we're going back to 2001, when 136 pounds was fat, gotta love the early 2000s fat phobia of the media, and 32 was old to explore the use of Shaka Khan's I'm Every Woman in Bridget Jones' Diary. Our music supervisor is once again Nick Angel. Nick is a music supervisor at 45 RPM, a collective of leading independent music supervisors specializing in film and television. From 1999, he was head of music for Working Title, supervising the music on Billy Elliot, Love Actually, Johnny English, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Nick's other music supervision credits include Anatomy of a Scandal, A Boy Called Christmas, Paddington 2, Maid of Honor, The Holiday, Notting Hill, and many others. So what do we know about the artist and the song outside of the needle drop? I'm Every Woman is a song by American singer Shaka Khan, released as her debut solo single from her album Shaka, released in 1978. The song was written by songwriting duo Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson, whose credits included Motown hits such as Ain't No Mountain High Enough. In the U.S., I'm Every Woman reached 21 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the Hot Soul singles, as well as number 30 on the disco chart. In the UK, it peaked at number 11. Rolling Stone ranked I'm Every Woman at number 27 in their list of 200 greatest dance songs of all time in 2022. The song is certified gold in the UK with over 400,000 units sold. In 2022, Billboard listed I'm Every Woman in its top 10 LGBTQ anthems of all time, noting that the song holds an important place in Roe-era women's liberation and has since been adopted by queer and trans women everywhere as an unequivocal anthem to fighting for the rights that they deserve. So who are the characters in the movie? Renee Zellweger plays Bridget Jones. 
Colin Firth plays Mark Darcy. Hugh Grant plays Daniel Cleaver. Jim Broadbent plays Mr. Colin Jones. Gemma Jones plays Mrs. Pamela Jones. Imbeth Davids plays Natasha Glenville. Donald Douglas plays Admiral Darcy. And Charmaine May plays Mrs. Darcy. The IMDb Summary Bridget Jones is determined to improve herself while she looks for love in a year in which she keeps a personal diary. Beat by Beat Bridget Jones is 32, single, engagingly imperfect, and worried about her weight. Again, she weighed 136 pounds and thought she was fat and was determined to lose 20 pounds. 136 pounds is not fat. Also, you're perfect the way you are. Don't lose weight unless you feel like you need to. Do it for you. Don't do it for anyone else. Anyway. She works as a publicity assistant at a publishing company in London, where her main focus is fantasizing about her boss, Daniel Cleaver. At her parents' New Year party, Bridget is introduced to Mark Darcy, a childhood acquaintance and handsome barrister, the son of her parents' friends. Mark calls Bridget foolish and vulgar, and she thinks he is arrogant and rude. It all began on New Year's Day in my 32nd year of being single. Once again, I found myself on my own and going to my mother's annual turkey curry buffet. Every year she tries to fix me up with some bushy-haired middle-aged boar, and I feared this year would be no exception. There you are, dumpling. My mum, a strange creature from a time when pickles on toothpicks were still the height of sophistication. Doyle's pan. Hello, Bridget. Third drawer from the top, Una, under the mini gherkins. By the way, the Darcy's are here. They brought Mark with them. Ah, here we go. You remember Mark? Used to play in his paddling pool. He's a barrister, very well off. No, I don't remember. He's divorced, apparently. His wife was Japanese, very cruel race. Now, what are you going to put on? This? Oh, don't be silly, Bridget. Never get a boyfriend if you look like you've wandered out of Auschwitz. Maybe this time Mum had got it right. Come on. Why don't we see if Mark fancies a gherkin? Mark? Maybe this was the mysterious Mr. Wright I'd been waiting my whole life to meet. Do you remember Bridget? Maybe not. She used to run around your lawn with no clothes on, remember? Uh, no, not as such. Come and look at your gravy, Pam. I think it's going to need sieving. Of course it doesn't need sieving. Just stir it, Una. Yes, of course. I'll be right there. Sorry. Lumpy gravy calls. So? <laughs> so? Are you staying at your parents for New Year? Yes. Hmm. You? Oh, no, 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 no. I was in London at a party last night, so I'm afraid I'm a bit hungover. Wish I could be lying with my head in the toilet like all normal people. <laughs> New Year's resolution, drink less. Oh, and quit smoking. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and keep New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Overhearing Mark grumble to his mother about her attempt to set him up with a, quote, verbally incontinent spinster who smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, and dresses like her mother, Bridget forms the New Year's resolution to turn her life around. Right there. Right there. That was the moment. 
I suddenly realized that unless something changed soon, I was going to live a life where my major relationship was with a bottle of wine. And I'd finally die fat and alone and be found three weeks later, half eaten by wild dogs. Or I was about to turn into Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. She begins keeping a diary to chronicle her attempts to stop smoking, stop drinking, lose weight, and find her Mr. Right. Bridget and Daniel begin to flirt heavily at work, ahead of an important book launch at which Bridget bumps into Mark and his glamorous and haughty colleague, Natasha. Bridget leaves with Daniel and they have dinner, despite Daniel's notorious reputation as a womanizer. Daniel tells Bridget that he and Mark were formerly friends, but Mark slept with his fiancée, and now they hate each other. Bridget and Daniel start dating. Bridget is invited to a family party, originally a Tarts and Vickers costume party, so she ties it into a mini break weekend with Daniel. They spend the day before the party at a country inn where Mark and Natasha are also staying. The morning of the party, Daniel says he must return to London for work and leaves Bridget dressed as a Playboy bunny to endure the party alone. When she returns to London and drops in on Daniel, she discovers his American colleague, Laura, naked in his flat. Bridget cuts ties with him and immediately searches for a new career. At times like this, continuing with one's life seems impossible, and eating the entire contents of one's fridge seems inevitable. I have two choices, to give up and accept permanent state of spinsterhood and eventual eating by or not. And this time I choose not. I will not be defeated by a bad man and an American stick insect. Instead, I choose vodka and Chaka Khan. Why do you want to be in television? Well, I've realized that I've become deeply committed to communicating to the public the up-to-the-moment and in-depth news, both political and ecological. What do you think of the El Nino phenomenon? Um, it's a blip. I think basically Latin music is on its way out. So why do you want to work in television? Because I'm passionately committed to communicating with children. They are the future. Do you have any children of your own? Oh. Christ, no. Yuck. <laughs> Sorry. So, why do you want to work in television? I've got to leave my current job because I've shagged my boss. Fair enough. Start on Monday. We'll see how we go. Oh, and, uh, incidentally, at Sit Up Britain, no one ever gets sacked for shagging the boss. That's a matter of principle. She lands a job in television, and when Daniel pleads with her to stay, she declares that she would rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's arse. Bridget attends a friend's long-standing dinner party where she is the only unaccompanied person. Once again, she crosses paths with Mark and Natasha. This is Bridget. Bridge, this is Hugo and Jane, and Hello. obviously you know Cosmo and Woni. Hi, Bridge. This is Alistair and Henrietta. Hello. Julia and Michael. Hey. Joanne and Paul. Hello. And Jeremy's partners from Chambers, this is Natasha Glenville and Mark Darcy. Hi there. Hello. Not in your bunny girl outfit today? No. Uh, we bunnies only wear our tails on very special occasions. Right, B, sit yourself down. Right. 
Hey, Bridge. How's your love life? Oh. <laughs> Still going out without publishing, Charlie? Uh, no, no. Right. Never dip your nib in the office ink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you really ought to hurry up and get sprogged up, you know, old girl. Times are running out. Tick tock. Yes, yes. Uh, tell me, is it one in four marriages that ends in divorce now, or one in three? One in three. Seriously, though. Office is full of single girls in their thirties. Fine, physical specimens, but they just can't seem to hold down a chap. Yes. Why is it there are so many unmarried women in their thirties these days, Bridget? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Suppose it doesn't help that underneath our clothes, our entire bodies are covered in scales. <laughs> <laughs> Mark privately confesses to Bridget that despite her faults, he likes her just as she is. It didn't work out with Daniel Cleaver? No, it didn't. I'm delighted to hear it. Look, are you and Cosmo in this together? I mean, you seem to go out of your way to try to make me feel like a complete idiot every time I see you. And you really needn't bother. I already feel like an idiot most of the time anyway. With or without a fireman's pole. That'll be my taxi. Good night. Look, um, I'm sorry if I've been... What? I don't think you're an idiot at all. I mean, there are elements of the ridiculous about you. Your mother's pretty interesting. And, and you really are an appallingly bad public speaker. And um, you tend to let whatever's in your head come out of your mouth without much consideration of the consequences. I realized that when I met you at the turkey curry buffet that I was unforgivably rude and wearing a reindeer jumper that my mother had given me the day before. But the thing is, um, what I'm trying to say very inarticulately is that, um, in fact, Perhaps, despite appearances, I like you. Sometime later, Mark allows Bridget an exclusive TV interview in a landmark legal case, which boosts her career and allows her to see him differently. Bridget begins to develop feelings for Mark, and when she misguidedly and somewhat disastrously attempts to cook her own birthday dinner, he comes to her rescue. After a happy dinner celebration with Bridget's friends, a drunken Daniel arrives and temporarily monopolizes Bridget's attention. Mark leaves but returns to challenge Daniel and they fight in the street, eventually smashing through a window of a Greek restaurant. Breath. I've missed you a lot. I'm going now. Mark, stay, will you? No, I don't think I will. Well, listen, don't leave on my behalf, then. Come on, I, I think it's about time you and I put this past behind us, don't you, Dance? At least stay for a birthday drink with me and Bridge, yeah? Goodbye, Bridget. Mark. Why are you here? Bridge. I just told you why I'm here. Why was Mark Wanker Darcy here? Oh, bloody hell, wait a minute, he's back. All right, Cleaver, outside. <laughs> I'm sorry? Outside? 
should I bring my dueling pistols or my sword? I should have done this years ago. Done what? This. The fight eventually ends with Bridget chiding Mark and him leaving, but after a self-serving appeal from Daniel, she rejects him as well. In the meantime, Bridget's mother Pamela has left her father, Colin, and begun an affair with a permanent tanned shopping channel presenter named Julian. When the affair ends, Pamela returns to the Jones family home and offhandedly reveals that Mark and Daniel's falling out resulted from Daniel, then Mark's best friend at Cambridge University, sleeping with Mark's wife, which Mark walked in on, not the other way around. At the Darcy's Ruby wedding anniversary party the same day, Bridget confesses her feelings to Mark, only to learn that he and Natasha have accepted jobs in New York and are on the verge of an engagement, according to Mark's father. Bridget interrupts the toast with an emotionally moving speech that peters out as she realizes the hopelessness of her position. Although her words affect Mark, he still flies to New York. No! It's just that it's such a terrible pity. For England to... Lose such a great legal brain. She pissed. For the people of England, like me and you, to lose one of our top people. Our top person, really. <clears throat> well, better dash. Got another party to get to. It's single people, mainly puffs. Bye. Bridget's friends rally to repair her broken heart with a surprise trip to Paris, but as they are about to leave, Mark appears at Bridget's flat. Just as they are about to kiss for the first time, Bridget rushes to her bedroom to change into sexier underwear. Mark notices the open diary reads her earlier, unflattering opinions of him, and leaves. Bridget realizes what's happened and runs out after him into the snow in just her tiger-skin print underwear, a thin cardigan, and trainers. There's no sign of him, and disheartened, she's about to return home when Mark emerges from a nearby shop. Bridget apologizes for what she wrote and tries to persuade him. It's just a diary. Bridget? What are you doing here? I just wanted to know if you were available for bar mitzvahs and christenings as well as ruby weddings. Excellent speech. I thought that you were in America. Well, yes, I was, but um, I realized I'd forgotten something back home. Which was? Well, I realized I'd forgotten to um, kiss you goodbye, do you mind? Not really, no. So, you're not going to America then? No. No. Not. You're staying here? So it would seem. (laughs) 
Friends of yours? <laughs> I do. I've never seen them before in my life. Look, are you coming to fucking Paris or not? Not. No fucking room anyway. No. Maybe we should just go upstairs for a minute. <laughs> it's a very good idea. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I mean, I meant it. But I was so stupid that I didn't mean what I meant. For Christ's sakes. It's only a diary. Everyone knows diaries are just full of crap. I know that. I was just buying you a new one. Time to make a new start, perhaps. Mark reveals that he only left to buy her a new diary, which he gives to her, to make a fresh start, and they kiss in the snow-covered street. So how does this song relate to the characters and the movie? Initially, the song was about a strong woman who takes very good care of her man, supporting him and making him a better person. However, the song was remade in 2021, more on that in a bit, by Shaka Khan and Adina Menzel. When asked about the song, Menzel said, I think it's about women supporting women. I think it's about sisterhood. Often society tries to get us to compete and tear each other down. It's about holding each other up and giving each other an opportunity to be heard and to be seen. Verse 1. Women are powerful beings. Bridget realizes this slowly throughout the movie, especially after she's able to get that exclusive interview. Chorus. Bridget resolves early in the movie to improve her life by drinking less and quitting smoking. It's all in the name of getting a man, but at least she recognizes that these are unhealthy coping mechanisms and sometimes unattractive to men. Also, I'm not advocating for changing yourself to get a partner, live your best life, boo, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Verse 3. Although she understands on some level that women are powerful and thus she is powerful, Bridget is quite unsure of her power throughout the movie. She sees her power as tied to men, her weight, how much she's drinking or smoking, or how little, etc. Women are powerful, period, by themselves. Another song that could have been used, I chose My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. My Prerogative is a song by American singer Bobby Brown from his second studio album, Don't Be Cruel, released in 1988. My Prerogative was released on October 11th, 1988 as the second single from the album. 
The song was nominated for a Soul Train Music Award in the category of Best R&B Urban Contemporary Single. It peaked at number one in the Billboard Hot 100 and Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs charts. It also reached the top 10 position in many countries such as Ireland, New Zealand, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. My Prerogative has been covered and sampled by a number of artists from different genres, including most notably Britney Spears. Spears' cover surpassed Brown's version in some European countries, peaking at the top of the charts in Finland, Ireland, Italy, and Norway, and reaching the top 10 in another 14 countries. My Prerogative was about making decisions in one's life and not caring about other people's judgment. Chorus. Bridget is initially turned off by Mark, but her feelings are still hurt when she overhears him talking to his mother at the New Year's Day turkey curry party. Even so, Bridget decides changes are needed to improve her life for the new year. Verse 2. It's the way that I want to live. It's my life. I can do just what I feel. It's my life. Nobody can tell me what to do. It's my We'd love for Bridget to care less about what people think of her, but that isn't the case throughout most of the movie. Although her bad habits come back or never really leave, Bridget tries hard to improve her life by drinking and smoking less, getting a new career, and trying to focus less on men, even if all of this is still in pursuit of getting a man. Other needle drops in the movie? All By Myself by Jamie O'Neill plays as Bridget sulks at home and resolves to make the new year better by keeping a diary. Stop, Look, Listen to Your Heart by Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye plays as Bridget kisses Daniel for the first time. Respect by Aretha Franklin plays as Bridget quits Daniel's publishing company proudly and to the applause of her co-workers. It's Raining Men by Jerry Halliwell plays as Mark and Daniel literally fight for Bridget in the street downstairs from her apartment. This single became Halliwell's fourth consecutive number one single on the UK singles chart and her most successful solo single to date. Other media, I'm Every Woman, was used for and or covers of the song. American singer Whitney Houston covered I'm Every Woman in 1992 for the Bodyguard soundtrack. It was a major hit, peaking at number four on both the Billboard Hot 100 and UK singles charts. Whitney Houston's version adds the introduction, whatever you want, whatever you need. Houston's version of I'm Every Woman peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 in just its seventh and eighth week of release, remaining in the top 40 for 19 weeks total. The song became number one on the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart, reaching number five on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, and cracked the top 40 on the Hot Adult Contemporary Tracks chart. Houston's cover was also a bigger international hit than the original version as it peaked within the top five in the UK and several other countries. 
Houston's cover is certified platinum in the U.S. with over 1 million units sold. After the popularity of the Whitney Houston version, the Oprah Winfrey Show unveiled its I'm Every Woman campaign in the 1993-94 season, using a cover of the song with remade lyrics and promos and an instrumental rendition used as the theme song. Girls Aloud covered I'm Every Woman on the UK Discomania album released in 2004. In 2006, I'm Every Woman was recorded in the fifth season of American Idol by Mandisa and put on the album American Idol Season 5 Encores. Country pop singer and songwriter Taylor Swift also recorded the song when she was trying to get a record label. Aretha Franklin covered this for her 2014 album, Aretha Franklin Sings the Great Diva Classics. Her version mixes in verses of respect. In 2021, Shaka Khan and Adina Menzel teamed up for a remake of the empowerment anthem, I'm Every Woman, in honor of International Women's Day. According to a Billboard article, the remake celebrates the strength, resilience, and leadership of women around the world throughout March, which is Women's History Month. When asked about the remake on NBC Today show, Menzel said, I think it's about women supporting women. I think it's about sisterhood. Oftentimes, society tries to get us to compete and tear each other down. It's about holding each other up and giving each other an opportunity to be heard and to be seen. Other movies I'm Every Woman has appeared in, 2019's Palms, 2017's Girls Trip, 2014's Blended, and 2005's The 40-Year-Old Virgin. It also appears in TV shows such as Quantum Leap, RuPaul's Drag Race, Scandal, Transparent, and King of the Hill. I'm Every Woman will also be the title of a new stage musical featuring the life and music of Shaka Khan coming this fall. How did the needle drop affect the song and or soundtrack performance? The soundtrack peaked at number 14 on the Billboard U.S. Soundtrack Albums chart, 36 on the Billboard U.S. 200, a chart ranking the 200 most popular music albums and EPs in the U.S., Number one on the official charts company UK compilation albums, and number four on the OCC UK soundtrack albums chart. The soundtrack is certified three times platinum in the UK with over 900,000 units in sales. That's all for today. Join me next time when I geek out over another needle drop. Leave a rating and review if you are so inclined, and let me know what song you would use as motivation to improve your life in the name of a New Year's resolution. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer the question. You can also visit my podcast page on Spotify, link in the show notes, and leave me a voice message. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Needle Drops Podcast. You can also find a playlist of the Needle Drops we've discussed on Spotify, link in the show notes. If you'd like to guest on an episode or have an idea for a needle drop you want discussed, send me an email at needledropspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we've discussed so far or any ideas you may have for future episodes. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Francis. Social media support also provided by me. 
Thank you for listening. And please don't forget to share needle drops that will change your life with someone in your life that you think would appreciate it. If you are feeling extra generous, I'd love it if you would leave a rating and review of my podcast on whichever podcast platform you prefer. Word of mouth and reviews really help. See you next time. Thank you.